0: We are continuing our series on the walk. Each week we take a look at a spiritual discipline that helps us on our walk with Jesus. We started Lent with the spiritual discipline of worship and saw how gathering together to thank God did all kinds of good things for our health. We also saw how simply praying can be an act of worship, one we can take with us everywhere we go. I issued a challenge to you to pray five times a day once when you woke up. At each meal and before you go to bed it only takes a minute or two but it's a small act that can lead to a big impact on our lives then last week we looked at study there are lots of good things to study but we believe studying the Bible and particularly the life of Jesus will have a profound impact on our lives it's what helps us interpret all those other good things that happen in our lives the times we are walking in the woods or see beautiful art or movies ever wonder if that little voice in your head is you or god talking to you studying the scriptures helps us figure out that out we study because it helps us grow and makes us more like jesus in fact each spiritual discipline we practice can help us become more like jesus it's just like a muscle that grows through exercise spiritual discipline is our form of spiritual exercise it makes us stronger and more ready to act like jesus no matter what may come our way so let's take a look at our next spiritual discipline service our scripture for today comes from matthew chapter 20 verses 17 through 28 and uh, christine is going to share that with us this morning christine
1: While Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and said to them on the way, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and on the third day he will be raised. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked a favor of him. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Declare that these two sons of mine will sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup? that I am about to drink. They said to him, we are able. He said to them, you will indeed drink my cup. But to sit at my right hand and at my left, this is not mine to grant. But it is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. When the 10 heard it, they were angry with the, uh, with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you, but whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life for a ransom of many.
0: And from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to join me in our prayer preparation. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Last week before worship started, I went to the back of the sanctuary to talk with our ushers. I told them I had purchased a touchless hand sanitizer dispenser. I thought that would be a good step in helping our church to practice good hygiene as we inched closer to a pandemic over coronavirus. The ushers were glad I told them, and as I walked away, I heard them excitedly sharing with the next group walking into the church that we had this touchless hand sanitizer. I felt proud that one little gadget was a hit. When I had gone to the store to purchase the dispenser the day before, it was easy enough to buy. Then I walked over to another part of the store to get the hand sanitizer itself, but the shelves were totally empty. I didn't think much of it since I knew we had some at home, It wasn't until after worship the next day that I found out what was happening. People were buying up all the hand sanitizer, not just one store, but all the stores were out of it. It was selling online for several times its value. My wife, Emily, had told me one bottle sold for over one hundred and forty dollars. I think the ushers weren't so much excited about the touchless dispenser I bought as they were about the hand sanitizer inside of it that was worth a lot of money. Elusive sanitizer isn't just happening in our community either. Common items to help keep us clean and healthy from coronavirus are sold out across the country. What's behind the empty shelves might surprise you though. The New York Times shared a story about one man who traveled 1,300 miles across Tennessee and Kentucky earlier this month to buy and load up his U-Haul truck with tens of thousands of bottles of hand sanitizer. He went to every little store he could find and bought every bottle they would sell him. He immediately began listing them online and sold them for between $8 and $70 each, far higher than what he had bought it for. He did the same thing with something called pandemic kits, 50 face masks, four bottles of hand sanitizer, and a thermometer. He was making a huge amount of money charging excessive prices for these necessary items. The good news is sites like Amazon and eBay caught on and started banning the sales of these high priced items. Price gouging is unethical and illegal after all. The bad news is now people are sitting on huge stockpiles of sanitizing supplies and can't sell them online. Those who buy hundreds and thousands of these items would argue they are simply meeting a demand in the market. They are participating in something called arbitrage. It just means buying an item in hopes that the price of that item will go up and can be resold for more than it was purchased. It's not Hoarding a product during a pandemic to turn a profit, it's fixing the inefficiencies in the market. The man with the U-Haul said he thinks he's doing a public service, but the most interesting thing to me in all this story after it was published, within just a few hours, the man contacted the New York Times saying he was exploring a way to donate all the supplies that he had. Something about this story being so public made him change his response. In life, oftentimes we have to make judgment calls about how to help others. It could be mundane, like, should I tell a person their shirt is partially untucked, or they have food stuck in their teeth? Sometimes it's tougher, like, should I help someone if it means I'll get sick or spread a sickness? Over and over, life is filled with these difficult decisions to say something or to remain silent, to take action or to do nothing. When it comes to church, we know our faith has something to do with these decisions, but just like trying to figure out if you are doing arbitrage or price gouging, it might be tough to figure out what is the right decision. Should I say something? Should I help? Does God want me? To go there, you might be thinking of your faith as a a set of rules go to church, read the Bible, don't do evil. So far, that's what we've been talking about in this series on the walk how going to church, praying, and studying the scriptures help us know God and know the rules of what is expected of us. But our faith can't just be about not doing certain bad behavior it has to translate into doing good behaviors, into practicing justice and kindness and love. When we don't do that, our acts of worship, our prayers and our study, even though they aren't bad things, they are absolutely useless. The goal here is not to prevent ourselves from doing bad. The goal is to spur one another to do good. We are practicing justice. We are discerning what kindness looks like for people in all sorts of different situations. We are learning to love everyone, everywhere. I think of Molly James Vickery. She's from Mississippi. She moved up here to work with Kumac and her husband. Uh, he joined the United Methodist Women, and yes, men can work for a women's group, Uh, In CUMAC, we see a group that does good things, certainly, in giving food to the hungry, affordable housing for those with special needs, and clear steps to help people get jobs. But what CUMAC doesn't usually focus on is working toward justice. They don't often try and change the rules so people aren't hungry in the first place or discriminated against in the workplace because of physical needs. They may help with a child's education, but they aren't changing the huge inequalities in our school systems that exist in the first place. So Molly, she made a move from Kumac, where she responded to the needs of people, to the United Methodist Women, where she can address those injustices with children, youth, and families. She also gets to work with her husband, which I'm sure makes for very interesting dinner conversations. Uh, you can find her on Facebook, where she links you to things like uh, the Help End School Push out bill in Congress. It's a bill that works toward ending the school to prison pipeline where racial disparities lead to criminal records and eventually prison. Ending that system is working toward justice, which I think is exactly the culmination of Christ's love at work in our lives. It's all over Scripture. First John 3:17 says, How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses to help? So if you have the means to help someone, you are going to help. Otherwise, God's love is not in you. In Matthew 5.42, it says, Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. And similarly, in Luke 6.35, it says, But love your enemies do good and lend expecting nothing in return for god is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful in the methodist church we aren't just interested in thinking about what it means to love god or participating in acts directed toward god that's what worship and prayer and study are those are actions about god but god's love is which we learn about through worship and prayer and study, means we learn to love others. It means we start serving other people, even when we might see them as opponents or enemies. We have a rich tradition in Methodism, which we call acts of personal piety and social holiness. Personal piety is the Bible study and the prayer and fasting. Those are all well and good, but if they never translate into social holiness we have a huge problem. Social holiness is when you take care of the poor, when you visit a prisoner because you know they have no one else. It's helping someone who has bills they can't pay or making sure someone has medical care when otherwise they would be stuck suffering. It's also helping to provide education for children and adults. When John Wesley founded the Methodist tradition, it was all about doing both of these things, learning to be centered in God and showing that love toward the whole world. We live by the golden rule, do to others what you would have them do to you. James calls it the royal law, love your neighbor as yourself. We live like Mary, who when she was told she would give birth to the Savior of the world, which seemed impossible, said, here I am, the servant of the Lord. We also strive to be Uh, and live like Jesus, who overheard his disciples arguing about who would be most important and said to them, that might be how it is among other people, but that's not how it's going to be with you. Whoever wishes to be great among you must become a servant. Jesus didn't just say it though, he lived it. Just before he was crucified, he was in the upper room again with his disciples and he washed their feet, a job only the servant would do. He shows love for God is revealed in love for God's people, in serving others. One of the beautiful things that comes along with serving others is a blessing right back on you. Uh, Adam Hamilton writes in The Walk that a study was done on people dealing with multiple sclerosis. Some patients met with a doctor every week. Others had a a weekly phone call from someone else dealing with multiple sclerosis, and the result? The people who had volunteered to phone fellow patients showed improvements in their own disease. Serving others gave a therapeutic benefit for the givers. When we are open to helping others, we not only do good for others, we are also doing good for ourselves how about that and there are so many ways that you can do something good for others in the midst of dealing with coronavirus I've seen the worst of people dealing with the pandemic and the very best too did you hear about the Chinese businessman who is donating 500,000 test kits and 1 million masks to the United States Google is listing on their website the five steps you can take to reduce your risk of getting and spreading coronavirus. Disney Plus, uh, they're releasing Frozen 2 three months early so kids can have something fun to watch while at home from school. But you don't have to be a big company to serve others. How about Christine, our youth minister, who found out about the 200 people living in the Westwood house and the Hillsdale house, Who wouldn't be able to go and get groceries for the next two weeks she got a team together and filled up a few cars with food in the food pantry to deliver it to those in need we are making a shift in our church we aren't doing worship in small groups the way we usually would instead we are focusing on how we can be uh, focused on the people in our community meeting real needs as they arise it's what service means respond to the needs of the people who knows what might happen in the next few weeks but we are listening we are ready for the spirit to speak i invite you to be open to moments where god might be inviting you to serve others it may come at unexpected times or in unexpected ways the move of the spirit it's a mystery but if you'll invite god in and listen for those small prompts that can lead to blessing others, you'll find that you yourself are blessed as well. Serve others. Not only is it integral to our faith, it's good for you, it's good for your community, and it's good for the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. At this time, I'm going to invite Christine to share a few ways that we can be in service to our community. There are both small actions and big ones that we can take in this time. So Christine, she's gonna offer a few thoughts on how we might be able to serve others. Christine.
1: Thank you. So I've been reading this book also with Pastor Brian called The Walk. And you know, Adam Hamilton calls in one of the first two chapters about, you know, in your prayer time asking God to say, use me, show me where I'm needed, show me where I need to be used. And yes, Pastor Brian is correct. There was a need that came up yesterday on Facebook that said, You know, hey, Westwood house, these people aren't gonna be able to eat. The Hillsdale house, the food pantry's closed. People aren't gonna be able to eat. So after some phone calls and some bored people talking, we were able to put a group together to come and bring about 42 boxes of food over to the Hillsdale house, to the Westwood house. And we're working with someone who's actually contacted me yesterday. I don't even know who she is. but she contacted me yesterday on Facebook Messenger and said, hey, I heard that you're, co- you're coordinating people to go food shopping for those who are in need. And during this time, there are so many things that we can be doing. And you know, it ranges from things like calling your neighbors, calling these bigger places where the elderly or the immune compromised live to say, hey, what do you guys need? What can I do? It's as simple as you know, when you're food shopping or you're buying your food and you see there's toilet paper there. <laughs> grab an extra roll or two and bring it to them. You know And for the little guys, like for the kids, there is, you know, my kids are like, ah, there's nothing we can do. We're 13, we're 19. What are we going to do? Joe, Big Joe, unfortunately, being the healthiest in our house, has been deemed the one that has to go to the food store and has to go do these things because the rest of us are immune compromised. (laughs) But um, there's stuff that you guys can do. So us adults, check in on the people around us. Check in on the people in the towns. Collect extra food. Offer to do a food shopping run. Offer to go to the pharmacy. A lot of people are on medication and it is such a hazard for someone who's compromised to go to CVS right now and pick up a prescription. I look like a lunatic, I go in with gloves on and I'm ferociously washing my hands because being a type one diabetic with an asthmatic in my house, it's a danger. So see, who needs, who needs prescriptions? And for like Davey and Halloran and your friends, this is the really cool thing that you guys can do. And I didn't even think about it until I read something yesterday morning. People in the nursing homes every week used to get visitors or they get to come here to the food pantry and see people, right? But now nobody's really supposed to be going out and nobody can go into those buildings. When we dropped the food off yesterday, we could only stand at the building and we could only stand at the doors. We weren't allowed inside. So these people aren't getting visitors. So what you guys can do, and you can get your friends to do, and you can do like a Facebook Live, like we're doing party, you guys can make cards, you can make pictures. If you have cans, Davey, like we did in Sunday school, you can paint them and you can pot flowers. Maybe mommy will let you snip some flowers in the yard and put them in, but you can do those things for others now is the time to find those little things of service that we can do that aren't so little that spreads the love that spreads the light and it really helps someone out in the time of need all right
0: very good thank you christine i appreciate that even our nursery school they're jumping in on this as well they sent out a list of things that the preschoolers can do so uh, if you have a little one around and you're not sure what to do get in touch with our nursery school they'll they'll give you a list of some other opportunities as well. So lots of things that we can do to serve our community.